Amen. Amen. Morning, Sunday people. Lynn, your word this morning was, was really inspirational. I wrote this down. I'm not sure if you said it exactly like this, but you said, without absolution, all we have is confession and superstition. You might even be able to shorten it. Without absolution, all we have is superstition. Not a bad word. Got your green socks on? So I, I, was thinking, I was thinking about that story, this is a little bit extra. Some of you may know, I have a, my younger brother played professional base, baseball for the Seattle Mariners, that other ALS team that's not going to postseason <laughs> for many years. And, and he was playing early on, and I was at his house, and we were going to go to the park together. And he said, Tobe, we've got to go a little earlier today. Uh, and I said, why? And he goes, we just got to go a little earlier, trust me. And okay, I'm with you. So we get in the car, we head to the stadium. He the stadium and he pulls into this little supermarket down by the street little corner you know rinky dink corner little store right and he goes you can either wait here in the car for me you can come in with me and I go what are you gonna do he goes there's a pinball machine in there I gotta play it I said what, what are you talking about you gotta you're prof in my head I'm thinking you're a professional athlete no Toby you don't understand I've been going there before every home game and I spend no more than $5 in quarters because I need to get a certain score because that means I'll get at least one hit. <laughs> so true story. We go into this, into this little rinky-dink corner shop. I go buy something because I don't want him to think I'm a hoodlum. And he pops his quarters down because he's already got a stash of quarters. He's ready. And he pops them in and he starts playing the game. And I think he got his number and he actually got a hit. So green socks can be good. By the way, if uh, you want more prayer in your life, if you even turned in a prayer card or didn't and wanted, want more uh, confidential uh, sharing and caring and prayer, there's folks in the back after the service that wear blue name tags. They'd love to, they'd love to pray with you uh, a little more one-on-one. -on -one. Please, please use that. They're ready to go, and they're really good, good people. Compassion is not an abstraction. Jesus is not an abstraction. One of the songs we sang, which by the way, those songs were phenomenal, is lead us beyond mere ideas and sentiments. Did you catch that line? Because Jesus is not an idea only. Compassion is not an idea only. They are neither abstractions. They can be realities if we're willing to go in compassion. It's amnesty when we go in compassion that's offered, not amnesia. It's hope, not pretense. It's transformation, not simply information. It makes us feel a certain way, all good. But this transformation inspires us and sends us to go in compassion. Here's a thing that happened among neighbors 51 years ago. On the evening of July 24, 1967, a young man, 23 years old, Rap Brown, stood on the hood of a car on Pine Street in the small town of Cambridge, Maryland, to make a speech that's still remembered to this day. Now, I don't remember it. I was five years old. But some of you may remember 
the summer of 1967. It was called the Long Hot Summer. And there was race riots in Cincinnati and Newark, New Jersey, and even Detroit, and in Cambridge, Maryland, on July 24th, 1967. Pine Street was a main artery in the town of Cambridge. It was in the heart of the African-American ward in the city. Rap Brown was a, a new young man that was elected as a student official and invited to come and speak about race relations as they were heating up in the summer of 1967. And he spoke passionately that night. At the very end of his speech, he said, if this town doesn't turn, it's going to burn. Slightly incendiary. Yet later on that night, the all-black Pine Street Elementary School, which was the center of cultural life in that African-American community, caught fire. Mysteriously, even to this day, no one knows who started the fire. The volunteer fire department was called out and they refused to go. They were in fear of their lives. All they needed was one tiny little truck to put the fire out at the school. Unfortunately, this fire spread and it, it, before the night was over, two square blocks of Pine Street were consumed and smoldering and churches and businesses and, and homes. And yeah, even the Pride Elementary School went up and smoke like a malevolent yellow-orange tiger. Duke Ellington and Ella Fitzgerald played there. It was called the Black Wall Street of the Eastern Shore. And yet, even to this day, it still bears the scars of that night. I wonder what compassion would have looked like 50 years ago in that town. Compassion ought never be an abstraction. And then there's this story this morning that kind of teaches us what compassion looks like in the midst of two narratives. And the story reads like this in Luke chapter 7, verses 11 to 17. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain. Now, what you need to know is a couple of facts, two truths to set the stage. Nain was about five miles southeast of Jesus' hometown of Nazareth. The only person who has faith in this story that the dead person can rise is Jesus. So he goes to a town called Nain and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. See, two crowds meet at the town gate, the disciples coming into town and a procession of professional mourners leaving town, and they converge in this place. 
And compassion takes on a very dramatic turn in our storyline this morning. You see, back then, burial rites were interesting. As soon as the dead died, they were placed on a stretcher, and immediately garments were torn and rent, and the professional mourners came in, and there was a lot of noise. And they would carry the body out immediately on the stretcher, and the wailers and the professional mourners would follow, and they walked through town. Mostly they did this because of disease, and the onset and the smell and the aroma of decomposition. So it was immediate. So as the procession was leaving town, Jesus and his disciples were entering town, and they meet at this town gate. And two sons in the story meet. The Son of God, and the son of a woman who had just passed away in name. One son is alive, but soon will die. One son is dead, but soon will live. This large crowd from the town followed her. And when the Lord saw her, here's the greatest phrase, his heart went out to her. That's compassion. His heart went out. He fully entered into the drama of the scenario. He was so consumed with the grief of the woman that his, everything about him just oozed empathy, compassion with the passion, the same passion as the grieving mom. And he said to her, don't cry. And then very dramatically, he went up and he touched the buyer, the stretcher that they were carrying him on. And the bears stood still. And you know why he stood still? The carriers of the stretcher stood still because now Jesus was unclean. Technically, everyone had to get away from him. And yet in the midst of this grief, Jesus enters right in with compassion. And he risks it all. All the religious laws of the religious people. He steps right into the middle and he touches the casket. And he says this to the young man. Young man, I say to you, you got to love this, get up. What? Get up, young man. The dead man sat up and he began to talk. Wouldn't you love to hear what he would say? I mean, seriously, make up stuff. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. You know what? I'm kind of hungry. Can I get a newspaper and a spot of tea? We don't know what he said, but he sat up. Evidence of life. And he began to talk. More evidence of life. 
These two sufferers, the widowed woman who lost her only son and provider, meets Jesus who is suffering on behalf of the world right then and there. Why? Because His heart went out to her. And there are these two dramatic evidences of life. He sits up. <laughs> and he speaks. Was he talking about the Dodgers game later? We don't know. But he's alive. Praise be to God. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. What a homecoming. What a reconciliation. What a story of compassion bridging the gap between life and death. And they were all filled with awe and they praised God and a great prophet. And they said, a great prophet has appeared among us. They said. God has come to help His people. God has come to help His people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. Isn't that a wonderful phrase, God visited His people? What does it look like today when God visits God's people in compassion? Well, this is a story about Jesus' heart going out for all people. Kind of in a neutral place as well. The gate of the city. The drama of the death happened in a home. The drama of the healing from last week is past and they're heading to a new place. And in this, this neutral ground, these two narratives, these two worlds meet. They collide and his heart goes out. as if Jesus bridges these two different narratives. Life and death. New life in the midst of death. Powerful, right? Kind of want to pull out my Canadian. Powerful, eh? Kind of leaves us with a really significant question. What does compassion look like for us today? <laughs> Back to Cambridge, Maryland. The facts are the same. No one disagrees about the facts. All the neighbors agreed. Something horrible happened that night. But what's interesting is two different narratives spun their way out over the next 50 years. And they're still in play even to this day with no sense of healing and reconciliation yet. No sense of heart going out to them. No sense yet of compassion 50 years later what took five minutes at a city gate still can't be done in 51 years in a small town in the northeast what you see only a few hundred yards away from pine street 
the African-American street, literally a few hundred yards away, Race Street, how ironic. It's the center of the white community in town. Hustle and bustle of stores and shops and homes and churches and synagogues. A few hundred feet away. And what's spun out of control over the last 50 years is the narratives that each street tells about what happened that night. See, on Pine Street, the narrative was that Mr. Brown told a passionate speech. And when it was over, people were roaming the streets and they were shooting off firecrackers and fireworks and whites and blacks were doing this together. No major incidents. Even reporters were wandering around. They even had folks from the electric company doing normal maintenance on homes with no incident. They called the fire department and asked for one truck. It would have put the fire out later at night at the elementary school. None was sent, and the fire consumed the whole space. One of the shopkeepers, Mr. Green, lost everything in his store. And he took his own life a few days later because he had nothing left. What happened was one of the newspaper reporters took a, a tape recording of the speech to the police department. And the police officer in charge <laughs> didn't like what he heard. He grabbed his shotgun and he says, I don't care. I don't care what happens over there. No one's showing up, and we're certainly not sending the fire department. Let them figure it out for themselves. I edited it. Two narratives. Two different ways to spin the facts. Does any of this sound familiar, by the way? And here we are 50 years later, and compassion from 2,000 years ago ought to show up at the city gate. The people of God, called the body of Christ, the hands and feet of God, ought to show up at the city gate so that our hearts go out for all people. Take the narrative of Pine Street and the narrative of Race Street and create a new narrative. Because Jesus Christ is not an abstraction, not an idea, not a feel good sentiment only, which is what we reduce it to. 
This is the politics of the kingdom of God. That literally stand and take both and bring together. It's not the politics that we experience today. It's the politics of compassion. Compassion's not an abstraction. Friends, Simply, discipleship is about the inspiration and perspiration of going into hard places and allowing our hearts to go out to all people. All politics aside, that's the politics of the people of God called church. When that happens, two narratives can be restored. Because without absolution, all we have is confession and karma and superstition. time for us to go in compassion and for no other reason. Amen? Let's pray. One little town, two profound narratives, Two streets within a few hundred yards of each other. The town is still scarred and broken, and the memory of the past haunts the present with no hope for tomorrow. And yet, favorite phrase, and yet, come, Lord Jesus, come, enter the gates with praise, come with empathy and compassion. Allow our hearts. Allow my heart to go out for all people. And when we hear Christy break a tear a few moments ago, compassion means that we all weep with her and for her, standing in solidarity together. Because Jesus, that's what you're like. Give us the courage to be a tenth of that. And the world will change. In your name we pray. I'd like to stand with us as we close.